بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمد الشاكرين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Today's subject Jihad and Sharia Firstly the word Jihad in common parlance today is understood as being fighting or warmongering in the name of Islam. So at the inception of this discussion I will start from where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated jihad in Al-Quran Al-Kareem and the broader meaning of jihad from which we understand we take the partial meaning of which is known as Al-Jihad Al-Qitali. Al-Jihad Al-Qitali is fighting with arms and that is the more controversial uh, understanding today people have, meaning people from different extremes of uh, a spectrum of understanding what actual jihad is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Furqan, now Surah Al-Furqan is a chapter revealed in Makkah Al-Mukarramah. When a verse or a chapter is revealed in Makkah Al-Mukarramah, we know that that verse or that chapter was revealed prior to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam migrating from Makkah Al-Mukarramah to Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara. So prior to the migration, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala addresses the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam فَلَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا كَبِيرًا This verse is the first verse revealed with the mention of jihad. So the verse states, do not obey the disbelievers, meaning in their disbelief. So when the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was preaching Al-Islam in Mecca Al-Mukarramah, he is commanded, do not obey them, but وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ Struggle against them with it. Jihad and Kabira, the major jihad. This is the universal rule of jihad. But when the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam states Jahidhum Bihi Struggle against them with it The Bihi meaning with what? With Al-Quran Al-Kareem So he was commanded at that initial point To preach the Quran and the message of the Quran uh, In order that people understand the message of Al-Quran Al-Kareem The principal message of Al-Quran Al-Kareem was Tawheed Monotheism, taking people away from shirk and bringing them into the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So this struggle against them was the broader meaning of al-jihad. After migration, and the meaning when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam migrated from Mecca al-Mukarramah to al-Madinah al-Munawwarah and settled in al-Madinah al-Munawwarah, the newly formed Islamic city in modern jargon we would say an Islamic state even though that term now Islamic state is controversial but the first Islamic city that was formed in in that time in Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara the legislation of Al-Jihad Al-Qitali occurred Al-Jihad Al-Qitali the word Al-Qitali specifically referring to armed struggle. So all the verses that were revealed relating to armed struggle 
were revealed in Al-Madinatul Munawwara. So when a person recites Al-Qur'anul Kareem, they should make a distinction between Al-Qur'anul Kareem and other scriptures like the Bible. The Bible, for instance, was revealed over a period of time or compiled over a period of time. You have the book of Jonah, you have the uh, book of Daniel, you have the Song of Solomon or the Songs of Solomon, you have the Pentateuch or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the, the book of Genesis and Deuteronomy and other works, the first five. These works were compiled over a long period of time by different authors. This is one major distinction between Al-Qur'anul Kareem and the Bible. That the Qur'an was written and revealed within a period of 23 years. Why is this major distinction important? This distinction is important because it would mean that the subject matter and the context of the Qur'an is one. So within the Bible, if you ask a Christian, they would know that the New Testament has a total different context to the Old Testament because the New Testament was revealed or compiled in the time of Jesus Sayyiduna Isa So the context of the New Testament is different to the context of the Old Testament. But when reciting Al-Qur'anul Kareem, a person should know that over a period of 23 years, this Qur'an was revealed upon one individual and within the context of the biography of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Meaning, within his biography, Sirah, the events that occurred, there is a backdrop and a, a, a reason as to why those verses of Al-Qur'anul Kareem were revealed. So when discussing Al-Jihadul Qitali, it is important to understand, I mean, when I say the word Al-Jihadul Qitali, I mean what is more controversially understood today as armed fighting, meaning using arms in order to, to fight uh, oppression or however, whatever expression a person may choose to, to use. So this context of the broader meaning of Al-Jihad, the broader meaning of Jihad was the Messenger of Allah sallallahu being commanded to preach Al-Islam in Makkah Al-Mukarramah where the Quran states وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا كَبِيرًا struggle against them with it, meaning with the Quran, the major jihad. The, the significance of the armed struggle was legislated in Makkah Al-Madinatul Munawwara. So all the verses relating to armed struggle were revealed in Al-Madinatul Munawwara. Now this is very important to understand because if someone is quoting verses of Surah At-Tawbah which is uh, chapter number 9 of Al-Qur'anul Kareem. Chapter number 9 of Al-Qur'anul Kareem was revealed toward the, the end of the Med Medina period. Meaning when be just before the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam conquered Makkah Al-Mukarramah and after he conquered Makkah Al-Mukarramah, the legislation that was revealed. Those verses contain verses like a, a part of a verse which states, فَاقْتُلُوهُمْ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ Meaning, kill them, فَاقْتُلُوهُمْ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ Kill them wherever you may find them. This is a part of a verse. But there is a context of the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when the the 
sanctified months finish the word in salakha is <coughs> it means to strip away something but here it means when the, the, the months have transpired when they are finished فَقْتُلُوهُمْ then go and kill them meaning whom? the polytheists of Makkah al-Mukarramah this is a famous uh, verse which some refer to as ayah to save the verse of the sword and this verse is commonly quoted today by people who may be former Muslims in order to say Islam is a inherently violent religion inherently violent religion and Islam has been spread by the sword these are claims that are made with regard in specific reference to al-jihad al-qitali armed struggle so this verse which is known as ayatul sayf if a person takes any verse of al-quran al-kareem without contextualizing the verses with all the other verses of the quran and without contextualizing those verses with the ahadith the narrations of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and vice versa meaning without contextualizing the hadith in light of the verses of al-quran al-kareem they can misunderstand the the verses those verse that particular verse was revealed regarding the the ahad the agreement that was made between the people of makkah al-mukarramah and the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam so when <clears throat> that verse was revealed and the contract was broken invalidated the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam then conquered makkah al-mukarramah now here there is a story and a backdrop to other verses like a verse in surah al-muntahina in surah al-muntahina allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states la yanhaakum allah anil ladina lam yuqatilukum fi fi din Meaning there's a whole verse which states Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not prohibit you from those lam yuqatilukum did not fight against you lam yuqatilukum fi din regarding your religion this verse if you read the entire verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes an exception of those who were not using armed uh, or warfare against the Muslims who were residing in Al-Madinatul Munawwara. Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anha, the daughter of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the first Khalifa. Her mother was a polytheist initially. When she was residing in Al-Madinatul Munawwara, her mother came to visit her. And this is narrated in the books of Hadith in Mustadrak of Imam al-Hakim and others. She brought with her gifts for her daughter, who was a believer, but she was a polytheist. So Asma bint Abi Bakr refused to meet her. But Aisha radiallahu anha, the wife of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa went and inquired regarding the legal ruling pertaining to this. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa recited that verse of Surah Al-Mumtahina stating that the general non-muslims <coughs> disbelievers do not fall into the ruling I mean this is the meaning of the, the context do not fall into the meaning of the verses of al-qital meaning the verses of fighting and armed struggle why because there is an essence 
as to why jihad was legislated why was jihad legislated this is something very important to understand was jihad legislated due to disbelief meaning because people are disbelievers we are legislated to fight them or was jihad legislated for something else the correct response is that jihad was not legislated due to disbelief there are some jurists who take that position and political organizations or political groups who have a political agenda may sometimes adopt those interpretations where it is suitable for that particular agenda but the the many jurists took the position that jihad was legislated for something known as hiraba warfare meaning when disbelievers when there is a, a society of muslims that live in a community as muslims and the disbelievers that may surround that community may carry out armed warf warfare against that community the quran has legislated something known as al-jihad which we would refer to most specifically al-jihad al-qitali the armed struggle or armed warfare against those uh, elements that may be opposing that muslim community so this is something very important to understand why would we say that the legislation of al-jihad was not due to the the disbelief the the response to that is if a muslim group conquers a region or rules a region or is dominant in a region when they govern any region they are not permitted to exterminate non-muslims what is the greatest proof living proof of this is that majority of egypt and syro palestine meaning greater syria so you have modern day syria and then you have greater syria known as a sham which is lebanon jordan and palestine occupied palestine all that territory and syria all this region remained majority non-muslim up until the crusades so when the conquests occurred in the time of the companions when khalid bin al-walid and other companions when they entered these territories the majority of the denizens of the people who resided in those regions remained christian or whatever religions they had prior to the conquests islamic conquests that occurred for at least 400 years the region remained majority christian it was only after the and this can be checked in books of history like al-kamil the work al-kamil of ibn al-athir and other works they mention this fact that after the crusades then the arabs and other people in that region they adopted islam as a religion and many of them the majority of them entered islam but even today even today in a city like damascus in damascus there is a large proportion of that city which is christian a large proportion of that city who are belong to the druze uh, religion there's a religion known as druze and there are people from other minority groups which would be deemed as non-muslim that live live in damascus and in syria in and around syria that have remained non-muslim despite being ruled by rulers such as salahuddin al-ayubi or malik al-baybars who were known as being uh, islamic rulers so the underlying motive of jihad was not in order to spread the religion by the sword 
And there are many living examples of this. Uh, those who are from Indonesia and Malaysia will know that no Islamic army entered Indonesia and Malaysia. Yet Indonesia and Malaysia have tens of millions of Muslims, meaning num the number of Muslims exceed uh, 200 million easily in Indonesia and Malaysia. How did Islam spread in that region? Through Yemeni traders. The Yemenis, they would take, uh, they would uh, embark on boats and go into different regions of the world. They entered into Indonesia and Malaysia and they were honest traders and because of their honesty and because of their nature, because the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Al-Imanu Yamani, that Iman faith is Yemeni, wa ana Yamani, that and I am also a Yemeni. This is a hadith not commonly quoted today by racist uh, uh, people, meaning within certain countries who have a racist attitude towards Yemen. And we know of the, the current war in Yemen also being uh, the bombardment of Yemen, which is occurring. And in one hadith, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Al-Hikmatu Yamaniya, that wisdom is Yemeni, meaning the nature of the Yemeni people. So these Yemeni traders, when they entered Indonesia and Malaysia, because of their nature, people accepted Islam. This also occurred in India. Uh, Gujarat in India, those who are Gujarati Muslims, many of them are unaware of this. How did Islam spread amongst the Gujaratis? The Yemeni traders would enter into Gujarat and they would trade. Now Gujaratis are known to be traders and very affluent many of them. But when they saw the honesty of the Yemeni traders, they accepted Islam. So Islam spread in Gujarat in India through at the hands of the Yemeni people. Likewise, uh, in parts of India, many parts of India, Islam was not spread by the Mughal dynasty. The Mughal dynasty entered by force. They were from Central Asia, Turkic people. Uh, led by Babar and others and they led what was known as Ghazwatul Hind the invasion of India but in India Islam spread at the hands of preachers so those preachers are known to people from India so likewise in Africa in Africa in Malawi if you go to Malawi today the Yemenis also entered a Lake Malawi they would bring boats into Lake Malawi and they would go into the outskirts into the rural areas of Malawi and because of the way they preached Islam, people accepted Islam. But wherever Islam entered with the sword, you will notice that majority uh, or many people remained as non-Muslim. Why? Because jihad was not legislated in order to remove disbelief. Another proof of this is that the Quran legislated uh, what is known as uh, the protection of Ahlu Dhimma. Ahlu Dhimma are the non-Muslim minorities that live in a Muslim uh, dominant country or a, Mus a, a country they, that can be majority non-Muslim but ruled by Muslims, the Muslims will take from them something known as jizya. Jizya is a tax which is imposed upon the non-Muslims. Now this is also a point of uh, a, a contention people bring up against Islam. They will say why is there a tax on non-Muslims and there is no tax upon the Muslims? How do we respond to this claim? The response would be that the zakat that Muslims give, the charity that Muslims give, exceeds the jizya which non-Muslims give. In fact, the jizya would be equivalent to what we call the council tax in this country. 
uh, occurs with the jizya. With the jizya, when the the Muslim ruler enters or conquers a region and there are non-Muslims, they take the jizya, but the jizya is spent upon the non-Muslims. An example of this, the Khalifa Umar radiallahu an, he entered Palestine when he can, when he conquered Palestine. In fact, uh, the keys of the city were given to him by the patriarchs, the Christian patriarchs. Uh, the city of Jerusalem was conquered without uh, shedding of blood. They gave the keys to the Caliph Umar. Why? Because the dynasty that ruled the, the Byzantine Empire was a, a despotic uh, dynasty that ruled that region and they saw the Arabs as emancipating